everyone. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, TVTPFL. It's Thursday. It's October 21st. It's 2021. Three NBA games to talk about here on today's podcast. I'm joined by a special guest and a guy, I mean, that has been around the industry as long as me. We're, we're old school DFS. Head of NBA over at Establish the Run, Drew Dinkmeyer. Drew, it's been a long time, my friend. It has been, Stevie. It's it's good to catch up, man. Um, the the folks over at Roto Grinders have a lot of the OGs in this industry, that's for sure. Um, and and you are certainly one of them, as am I. Uh, Ten years of of playing these games now. It's crazy. Yeah, I still remember one of the live finals that we were at, um, ch- hanging out with your dad, and yeah. he was one of the nicest guys um, that I've ever met, and um, just a really nice guy, and. And Cal getting so mad that I had an older FanDuel account than him. I mean, those are the days. <laughs> those are the days. Those are the days. I don't know if I don't know if we could even compare them anymore these days. Um, it's just a different world out in these DFS streets. Live even... finals were were a little bit wholesomer, a little bit tighter knit community. Um, but it's cool. It's it's been it's been incredible to just watch this industry grow over the years. I don't even try for live finals anymore, but the ones that we were able to hang out at, I mean, like you said, they're just, it was just like all the guys that you like want to hang out with all like happen to qualify. And I mean, we always had good times at those things. So that is not the reason um, that I brought you on here. Drew, you're doing an awesome thing. You've been doing it. You're five. Yeah. Yeah, so you've been doing the Welly Maker for five years. Uh, you matched the first twenty thousand dollars in donations. Um, I mean, it, it's awesome. And you know, Al Smizzle has been doing stuff, and I mean, a lot of guys uh, CSU Ram does stuff. But Drew, you've been doing this uh, for five years with the Welly Maker. Just kind of, I mean, this season is already this year has already been like it's six digits now, right? Like it's just <laughs> incredible to just think what you're doing uh, to help out. Yeah. So we've raised over $115,000 so far this year, which is a new record for the Wally maker. And I've only been uh, promoting it for two and a half weeks now. So usually these things run like a month to two months, sometimes three months, depending on kind of this, the point of the year and when charity water has their, their financial accounting done. But, um, yeah, it's been incredible. The whole idea started basically. I was listening to a Bill Simmons podcast where he had Scott Harrison, the founder of Charity Water, on. And Scott was talking, you know, telling the story of Charity Water. And it's this just incredible organization that, you know, there's there's so many people, there's 780 million people around the world that don't have access to clean drinking water. And so something simple that we might take for granted when you grow up in kind of a privileged space. But these are communities that are traveling like eight miles on foot with a gallon water jug to go drink dirty water. That is similar water that, you know, animals are using and, and different things. And and then there's, there's limitations. So people are making choices on what they can do with their water each day in terms of whether they bathe themselves or wash their clothes or wash their dishes or make food. And it's just, it's, it's such a simple foundational resource that I think is everybody deserves. I think clean water and an education are the two like foundations that I'd like to kind of put my efforts behind and charity water just makes it so easy uh, with hundred percent of the donations going to the water projects and them following up and giving you information on where your money goes specifically, specific GPS coordinates on where it goes. So they're an organization that's just so easy to get behind. And um, it's been incredible. The community has just been so much more supportive of this mission than I ever could have imagined. I mean, when I first started this, I 
was trying to raise $10,000 just to do one water project. And um, the first year I did that, we, we raised that in, in two days. And so the community has just always been so great at supporting this cause. And I've been fortunate enough to do well in DFS. And, and this is kind of my way of being able to give back. I mean, I've definitely um, tried to help out every year that I, I've seen you do this. And what's crazy to me and what got me was, I mean, you don't even think about this. Like you said, like, we don't think about this. We, we take showers, we run our sinks, we run our dishwashers. I mean, we don't even like think twice about that kind of stuff. The thing that got me was, I think it was the first or second year you're doing this. And I like looked into it more and I was like, man, there's so many ch- children as a dad. Yeah. There's so yeah. many children that die yeah. from this. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and just, and like, there's just things. There was this thing on like ESPN, uh, Live Like Lucas with Carson Wentz and the kid. Yeah. They just hit you like so hard now that like you have kids. And I mean, you don't even think about this stuff. And I, I love what you're doing. Um, when the opportunity arrives for me to have you on to talk about this, like I jumped on it. Like we did this within 24 hours of messaging each other. So, um, I love seeing it and the, listen, I love what you're doing. I'm going to put the link um, in the description for the podcast. If you guys want to donate, it doesn't even have to be a lot like yeah. donate what you can. Um, yeah. And I mean, just help out. Yeah. in all these donations, we've had 161 unique donations so far and every donation makes a pretty big impact. When you think about it, it, it costs about $30 to give one person clean drinking water for the rest of their lives. So, I mean, as small, we have donations as small as $5 coming in. Like it doesn't take a lot to make a really big impact in every person's life that you're changing. It's not just them. It's a generation after them, right? It's like some of these, some of these water projects that have been done um, with charity water, they they've now done them, you know, 10 plus years. And they go back to these communities and they see children who have grown up and now are getting ready to have their own children. And they know their children are never going to have this struggle because they now have access to clean water through, you know, a, a well or through a biosand filter or whatever the right, um, you know, solution is for that geography. But it's just, it's such a cool thing to, to have the community support with all this every year. I'm so nervous because there's so many good causes in the world to give money to, like, there's so many things that you can help people with. And I've raised during all sorts of things I've raised after hurricanes destroyed, you know, Houston and different things. And I felt guilty. Like I, like I'm asking, but people step up, people really, there's so many good people in this community, in this industry. Um, and they really, they really, they show up for people when you ask them to show up for you. It's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, we've been doing this so long. We try to help people every single day. And I mean, yeah, you're, you're nervous, but on the other side, it's like, don't go out for coffee or lunch for a week donate 30 bucks, help one person and you make a difference. Like it doesn't even seem like a lot, like, you know, no coffee for a week at, you know, your favorite coffee spot and make coffee at home. And you could, you could affect one life. And I mean, like I said, I love what you're doing. Um, it's awesome. Like 115, like I know you go into the year and you're (laughs) like, man, we just went, we're we're in the middle of like going through a pandemic. And like, I really don't know what this year is going to be. And I feel like it's still people are getting behind your message um, and what you're wanting to do, because one, you're a good dude. And two, this is a really cool thing that, again, we don't think about on a daily basis. Yeah. And the whole tagline, the whole idea for me with the Welly Maker was, you know, I was fortunate enough to win a Millie Maker in 2014. It changed my life substantially. And the whole idea was 
we're playing in these DFS contests, especially during football season, where, man, if you if you have one really good weekend, you could have life changing money out there. And we're all taking shots each and every weekend at trying to change our lives. And so instead of taking one entry away from like a Millie maker, instead of taking one less entry to try to change my life, you can guarantee changing someone else's life. And that's kind of the whole idea behind it. And the community's really supported it. I mean, look at look for, you know, we're about to talk this three game basketball slate, for instance, and like DraftKings alone, there's a $15 contest with 100K to first place. Like that was unheard of when me and you first started doing this. And now it's like, this is a three game slate. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what you're saying. Like two less entries of that changes one person's life. Um, And you don't even like, you don't even think about it. Like, again, it's just something that you don't think about clean water. Like we're so fortunate that we have clean water and uh, there's just so many people, like you said, you said, what was it? 780 million. That's just crazy to think about. Like, think about that. Think about that. It's crazy. So uh, Drew, again, I'll put the link um, in the podcast description and I'll tweet it out uh, when I tweet out the podcast. If you have any questions, it's really simple. Just ask Drew. He tries to reply to everybody, um, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. So uh, it's Drew Dinkmeyer over there on Twitter. Just, I mean, ask him. The dude, Drew's been, Drew's a nice guy. Yeah. I call him a jerk. Every, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's talk some basketball, man. I can't, yeah. I can't have you on and not talk some basketball. Let's um, do it. Love what you're doing over there at Establish the Run. You guys have built a really good team. And um, I mean, you've been one of the best basketball minds for a long time. So we're going to do morning grind style. I already talked to Drew. Uh, we're going to do game by game, team by team, like we always do. Just kind of give our first thoughts early. I mean, we're recording night before like we always do. And um, we start with Dallas at Atlanta. 225 total here. Atlanta is a two and a half point favorite. McLaughlin's out. Gallo and Lou Williams are both questionable on the Atlanta side. Uh, let's talk Dallas first, Drew. Luca. Uh, I mean, <laughs> is there, all right, we're done talking Dallas. Um, <laughs> talk to me. What do you like here for Dallas? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think these are one of these situations where, you know, Atlanta played Atlanta and Dallas both have historically played um, a, a, a little bit, you know, quicker. Um, but the big question mark for Dallas this year is, is really not around Luca because I think it's really what, what else is there? And, you know, so, so many years ago, it was Christoph's Porzingis, but last year was just such a disastrous year for Porzingis. And if you look at kind of what they did in the off season, they really kind of doubled down on this plan that they've had for the last few years of just getting three and D shooters to spread the floor around Luca and build the whole offense around him. And he carries such an enormous offensive responsibility that each and every time out kind of, no matter the matchup, you know, he's, he's going to probably get into the fifties on DraftKings. And so the question is like, who else could potentially be a play from, from Dallas? And there's really not that much. I mean, the rotations deepened out with the addition of, of Reggie Bullock. They also went out and got Moses Brown. So they have like this, like four headed potential center rotation that they could play at any given time. And on these three game slates, guessing those things can sometimes be the difference. Um, but it's very, very difficult to project. The big thing for me will just be what does Porzingis look like? Because he's now priced in the 7K range. This used to be a player that was 8,500 and above pretty consistently. And my guess is he won't be a player that generates a ton of attention um, on this three-game slate because you've got Milwaukee and you've got Miami, and we'll see you know, with Mil- Milwaukee if Drew Holiday is able to go or not. So you'll have a, an injury there. So I'm really interested from, from Dallas's perspective to see if Porzingis you know, can get back to the form of two or three years ago. 
Yeah, we already got that probable tag on Drew Holiday, which is always fun on a three-game slate because yeah. that's going to change three times before lock. Um, <laughs> yeah, as far as Dallas is concerned, I mean, Luka is obviously the main target. Um, I mean, it's like Bielitsa. We talked about Bielitsa on the podcast the other day, the two-game slate. He he won the slate for us. Well, Patty yeah. Mills, too. But, um, I mean, just kind of looking at Dallas, you can't get excited. If Moses Brown starts, ton of interest um, at 3,800. I doubt, I think they'll start Powell. Um, but yeah. I kind of want to see, I want to see how this first game rotation wise, minutes wise works out with those two guys. Cause Moses Brown's ceiling is massive. Um, so he's one of those guys that I'll probably take some shots on here. Just in, if he gets that 20 minute, 25 minute type of game, um, on the Atlanta side, I mean, this is a strong starting five. Like we got Capella young, um, Collins, healthy Collins. Um, what are you looking at here on the Hawks side of things? Yeah, it's it's a little bit challenging for the Hawks because, you know, at the end of last year, they were so banged up with injuries that you kind of have everybody's price coming in. Like even look at like DeLon Wright, right? He was on Sacramento towards the end of last season and he went on a tear at the end of last season. So a lot of the 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 sites, they carry over sort of the pricing from the last season in terms of how guys were doing. And so you don't get a lot of clear cut values on Atlanta. I think the one that's most intriguing to me is DeAndre Hunter. He was injured most of last season. He's here at 4,700. He was off to a really good start last season, increased his rebounding rate, was making those threes that are such an important part of the Atlanta offense. And I think he looks like, you know, potentially the best value. And then the, maybe the big upside guy for me would be Cam Reddish. Um, we've just seen so much, so many like little flashes from Cam at different points. Um, and if Gallinari is unable to go, that should free up a, a, enough consistent minutes for a very deep Atlanta team. I mean, Atlanta could go 12 deep if they needed to. They're, they're probably the deepest team in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, but that's a, that's a really interesting spot. And then, you know, without Okongwu, really, will Gorgie Jang play like the straight backup center role? Or will they use John Collins in, in, you know, get deeper into the wing rotation by sliding Collins over to the five? I think that's a really interesting part of this equation too, because Gorgie Jang's always been a good point per minute producer. And if he got 17, 18 minutes, if Capella's like limited because Capella's always got heel issues, um, if Capella's like limited to 30, that would open up a, a possibility on a three game slate for Gorgie Jang. Uh, but Reddish and, and DeAndre Hunter are probably my favorite plays on Atlanta. They always seem to kind of limit John Collins too. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a road for the gorgeous dong. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hunter, I think is super interesting for tournaments, especially if Gallinari doesn't play. And if Gallinari doesn't play and Lou Williams ends up sitting too, I mean, Cam Reddish at 3,900, he's a guy that can put up 30 plus fantasy points given the opportunity. So I like those calls. Um, yeah, and I'm not even, I'm not honestly not even sure if Lou Williams is in the rotation to start the season. Yeah. I mean, like they're they so deep. Like Delon, the, the pickup of Delon Wright was a really big deal. Cause I think he's one of the best backup guards in the league. And then you've got Herter and Bogdanovich. You get like they they just go so deep this team. So it'll be really interesting. They're they're one of these teams that's going to play ten man rotations night in and night out. But some nights they might even stretch into eleven because they got that many good players. The exact opposite of my Orlando Magic. That is for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, moving on, we got the Bucks and the Heat. Two twenty four and a half total here. Milwaukee's a two point favorite. Defin- um, Hood is out. Portis is out. Uh, DiVincenzo's out. And then on the Miami side, Oladipo's out. Uh, Drew Holiday, on the injury report anyway, he's probable. Um, so likely to see Drew Holiday. Crushed my dreams the other night. I had such good teams going with Drew. Um, 
Let's talk Milwaukee first. I mean, I think the biggest thing to kind of note here, Giannis, first game of the season, 39.5% usage rate. Um, I mean, when the guy's getting the minutes, he's going to produce. Yeah, he's he's just almost an impossible fade each and every night when he's priced around this 10,000 mark. Like 10-3 is just too cheap. He, he will eventually settle in closer to 11 and maybe a little bit over 11 is my guess. Um, the thing that will hold him down is these occasional Milwaukee blowouts where, you know, his minutes get cut down to like 28, 29. I don't foresee that being the case against a, a Miami team, you know, playing their first game of, of the season in a Miami team. That's also very deep and very good defensively as well. So this might not be the best spot on paper for Giannis, but it's a really good price tag at 10, three. And so he really headlines the plays for Milwaukee. And then after, after him, you know, we saw Jordan Wara play really, really well and get a lot of opportunities in that first game in the absence of Bobby Portis. Um, I think this is a, a game against Miami where they could lean into some of those Giannis at center lineups and get more of the wings on the floor like they did against Brooklyn uh, with Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton playing a little bit more. But they're, you know, they're not that deep without Portis, without Hood, without DiVincenzo early in the season. They've got some injuries. So I think you're going to expect to see the starters once again reach up into those mid-30s. Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting spot for the Bucs because, like you said, on paper, Miami is going to be fantastic defensively. But Giannis in close games is, like you said, at 10-3 is just unfatable. Um, and I, I'm one of those guys that, like, Giannis is, is someone that cash games, you'd love playing in tournaments. Yeah. I mean, some nights when the games aren't going to be close, you don't get enough minutes in tournaments. But I think this is yeah. a great spot. Um, Nora, man, I mean, he got the opportunity in that first game and didn't disappoint. This is going to be a little bit tougher matchup, but I still think the usage, the minutes are going to probably be right around that same amount. Um, I mean, we could see Giannis and Bam playing against each other in this game yeah. at, at some points. Um, Brooke Lopez might get run off the floor a little bit here. On the Miami side, I mean, you know, me and Meansy talked about it last week. They went out and they got Kyle Lowry. Goran Dragic's gone. Um, this is a, a really interesting looking Miami playoff built team. Yeah, they're very deep. Um, I think, you know, Milwaukee plays so fast that it elevates a lot of the production against Milwaukee, even though they're a very good defensive team from a fantasy standpoint. And similarly, I expect Miami to push the pace a little bit more this year. Kyle has always been a guy every step of the way, Memphis, Houston, Toronto, that has loved pushing the pace, even though he's an older player. Um, Tyler Hero looked really good in the preseason after pretty much a lost year last year um, as his development kind of um, you know stumbled last year after a really good rookie season. So I'm interested to see him at 5,200. I don't think we'll draw a lot of attention. I don't think projection systems will have a really strong projection on him. So I think he could be kind of an interesting tournament play. But honestly, I, I think you're going to have to pick your spots with Miami and they're not a team that you can load up on early because I think everybody is kind of priced appropriately now that you're adding Kyle Lowry into the mix instead of Goran Dragic. Just in terms of splitting up usage, splitting up ball handling responsibilities, I do think Miami will play faster and that'll erode some of that damage going from Dragic to Lowry in terms of the fantasy value for guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Um, but I do think that you know these are generally some tough prices on the Miami guys. Um, the only guy that I would say that I think has a chance to crack, you know, like 20, 20 minutes that's below 5,000 is, is maybe, maybe Max Struess. Um, but he's a pure shooter and really has to get there by getting super hot from three. So there's not a lot of value on the Miami side to be had. 
And that's, that's where I think, you know, you're probably going to max yourself of one of, of Butler, Lowry at a bio, something like that. It'll be probably hard for multiple of these guys um, to get there. Yeah. I mean, Bam sets up as a pretty decent matchup. Um, Butler is always someone that has his hands involved in so much stuff that he's always something it's really interesting in tournaments, man. I, I think Tyler hero is someone that I think I'm going to be taking some shots on here just because Tyler hero has those nights where he shoots like six, seven out of nine from three point range. And like the, they just add up super quick and he has those 40 point games and he's at 5,200. And I don't think Kyle Lowry really coming in is going to affect him too much. Um, if not even maybe help Tyler hero. So I think Tyler Hero in tournaments is someone that I'm just kind of looking at, but I'm with you. Like under 5K for Miami, we're looking elsewhere on this slate. I don't, I don't want to play Dwayne Dedman. I mean, yeah. you can, but I'm not going. Yeah, yeah. All right, we finished it out. We got the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. Two twenty-six and a half total here. Golden State is a three-point favorite um, on the Clippers side. Batum, Ibaka, Kawhi are out. Clay and Wiseman out for the Golden State Warriors. I will say this about the Warriors, too. We're going to talk about Jordan Poole when we get to the Warriors, but he was definitely hobbled the other night um, in that game. So definitely something to kind of note. Let's start with the the Clippers. I mean, Kawhi being out is huge. I don't even know if Batum and Ibaka is huge, but, I mean, this definitely sets up as a spot for a guy like Paul George to see pretty big usage um, and maybe even opportunities for Bledsoe and Jackson to get involved. Yeah, Paul George is going to carry a, a, a really big usage rate this year and a b- really big offensive responsibility on the whole. Um, I, he's priced appropriately for it. The, the thing is, like, they had the playoff run without Kawhi, so all these guys are kind of priced a little bit like they have been playing without Kawhi. The benefit of having Batum and Ibaka out just makes it so that it's a little bit clearer how they should be approaching this situation, right? Like, they're probably going to play a lot of the small ball stuff that they played in the playoffs without Kawhi with when they were without Abaka as well. It's a little bit harder to do it without Batum too, because they would play basically like Marcus Morris senior at a center spot. They play like Kawhi or Batum at the four, Paul George or Kawhi at the three. And they kind of keep going down that way. They're a little bit thinner in terms of, of, of wing options this year, but I think it's a good opportunity. This, this game specifically for a lot of Terrence Mann who I think can really take a nice step forward this year. He's 4,500. I expect him to be one of the stronger values on the slate. I think he'll probably slide into that primary sixth man role. I think they'll start Bledsoe, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Marcus Morris, and Zubots. But it's important to note, Marcus Morris was limited during the course of the preseason. Um, Older veteran player. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of take him up to speed. Um, And I think, you know, a youthful player, kind of an ascending player like, Terrence man is, is a really, really strong play on this three game slate. I mean, kind of guessing this rotation is, is what could make or break your night. Um, because golden state played so fast in the preseason, they played so fast through the night. Um, that's kind of what we have to go off of right now. So I think if you can kind of nail the Clippers, I mean, I don't mind maybe taking shots at like a Luke Kennard. He saw 24 minutes, um, in the four preseason games that he played, maybe even a justice Winslow. I yeah. would much prefer maybe taking shots on like these under 4k guys um, for the Clippers than like even the under 5k guys for Miami, like we were just talking about. So yeah. maybe taking tournament shots there because realistically we could see Morris going up against like a Draymond at the five yep. in this game and yep. someone like Kennard 
or um, even Justice Winslow just getting enough minutes at their price where the opportunity will be there, whether or not it happens or not, you never know. Yeah, I think this game is going to play small and very fast. Yep. So, and I'm in agreement with you. Wins- Winslow and Kennard are both players that have been successful when they've had bigger opportunities in the past. They're really cheap here. And there is room with this rotation kind of in shambles due to some of the injuries, certainly to grab the bull by the horns. The biggest question mark with Justice Winslow is always health. Um, but early in the season, you know, taking a shot on a guy who might be at his healthiest, I think makes a lot of sense. So I, I'm with you on Winslow and Kennard being two of the more interesting tournament um, salary relief plays on the slate. I mean, it is somewhat encouraging that he played three preseason games and played 20 minutes in those games for Winslow. So you never know. Um, what we do know for Golden State is Curry played terrible the other night and still had a good game. Um, I mean, a triple-double Steph Curry, uh, Jordan Poole, monster usage in that game. He's probably going to be pretty popular again. What is kind of – I mean, Bielitsa, like – What's standing out to you? I mean, we don't want to do one game sample size, but we got to watch that game. Everybody yeah. watched that game that watched yeah. basketball. Um, what's standing out here for the Warriors? I think the big thing that stood out to me, I was on the side of considering a Jordan Poole fade on opening night just because he's going to be so highly utilized. And in the preseason, his rotations were inconsistent where he didn't always get to close. And that's kind of what happened last game. Now, I think part of it was the fact that he was ha- hobbled, but I think – his his playing time i don't think it's as consistent as the ownership is going to dictate the role certainly is in terms of the usage when he's on the floor he's going to take a ton of shots and so the he's got immense upside but you know he ended up at 25 minutes last game and so i'm interested to see how the field reacts to him specifically and bielitsa because bielitsa this is another good matchup for bielitsa to continue to build on kind of that success of the opener and what we saw in that game was that Bielitsa's playmaking and passing along with Draymond Green really, uh, really allows kind of two points of leverage for the Warriors offense to run Poole and Curry and Damian Lee and all these shooters kind of around all these screens to be able to have the two playmakers. And it really opened up a lot of things for the Warriors in the second half. And I think that was really a key to them winning that game. And so I think the opportunity will be there. This does not look like a Kavon Looney game to me. It looks like it's going to play a, a smaller game on the whole. I think, you know, Iguodala will probably be out there for his minutes, Otto Porter for the, his his minutes. But those guys, they look they look worn and they look like, you know, that it's 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 going to be occasionally there, but mo- more often than not, not there from a ceiling perspective. I'm interested to see if we get any reporting on whether Andrew Wiggins or Draymond Green have their minutes caps um, increased in this one, because I do think the price tags on both those guys are pretty compelling. And I think, honestly, I, I think, this is maybe the most compelling kind of stack value game for me on the slate where you can almost like stack up the value against each other on this game and then maybe pick, you know, Giannis in a, or in a Miami guy back or Luca and Trey back like uh, stars from the other games and then kind of condense and focus on the value in this game. I think on a tournament perspective too, thinking contrarian going Curry and George on the high end of this yep. game and, you know, maybe looking for value in that Dallas Atlanta game a little bit um, with like Reddish and guys that we talked about. Yep. I mean, that could be the contrarian approach, but yep. I'm with you, man. This game definitely sets up I'm going right back to the well and Bielitsa. I think Looney and Zubak both kind of get run out of this game yeah. and this game just goes smaller. I'm right there with you as far as that thought is concerned. And I mean, if Wiggins minutes are going to be limited again, there's plenty of room for Damian Lee to get minutes. It's a three game yeah. slate. 
I'm, I'm, I don't want to play Damian Lee, but I think like he's someone that's in the conversation. He, yeah, he's my favorite of their sub, let's say, you know, below Bielitsa. Bielitsa at 4,600 is, is stronger than Damian. But below him, he's he's my favorite of those guys. And then I would also say, like, if you're MMEing, you're playing a lot of lineups, I think this is a better game for Juan Toscano-Anderson than the Lakers game. Um, I don't know that that means it makes much of a difference from a GPP perspective because he's so low usage, but he can pop occasionally because he has these all-around contrib- contributions in fast games. And then he only played like 13 minutes in the first game. I think this type of game... The Lakers just run out so many like true center bigs. And we saw Anthony Davis just dominating JTA. There's nobody that's going to give him that kind of problem on the Clippers. So I could, this could be a game where if you're like fading Bielitsa, I could see scenarios where the Warriors end up, let's say Bielitsa doesn't have a shot that night or he's struggling defensively or whatever. I could see JTA closing with Draymond in, in certain situations, really low probability play. But if you're making a lot of lineups, um, I would consider him as a salary relief option too. You mean you don't think Hartstein's going to dominate him? All right. I don't think I'm, so. I'm with you. All right. I don't think so. All right. Before I let you go, we're going to play the morning grind game because it's fun. And I mean, I like beating guests. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, uh, we're going to use DK pricing. Um, we'll start with favorite play under 5K to go 7X. Again, it's our first look. Um, I mean, we're just kind of looking at this. I mean, it's night before. I always look at it first look. So give me a guy under 5K to go 7X. Yeah, so I'm going to go Terrence Mann. I, I really think this is a good spot for Terrence Mann. And 7X, you know, we're talking, we're talking 31 and a half, you know, 32, somewhere around there. So I think we can get that from, from Terrence Mann at 4,500 on this one. I appreciate you giving me the layup. I'm going to take Bielitsa. Um, <laughs> I, I don't care if he's chalk. I'm still going to take him. Uh, my favorite question on the morning grind game over 8k to go under 5x. Who's your bust today? Yeah, I think this one is going to be Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Um, I think you know if, if Drew is able to go, he's such a challenging defensive opponent to to go up against. I also think kind of as a point guard acclimating to a new situation, I think you might see him be more deferential to some of the other options. And, you know, just generally, I, I think he's the weakest of the 8K plus plays in terms of ceiling as well. Like he averaged the fewest fantasy points per game last year of all these options. I like Kyle, but he's he's overpriced here, especially for this new role where he has more competition for usage on Miami. Yeah, he was mine as well. Um, I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go Butler. Yeah, I mean, this is like my least favorite spot of the 8K guys. I mean. Really like Trey kind of going up against Luca. We talked about that. Giannis in a close game. I mean, I think it's it's Butler and Lowry um, as my like potential. Like maybe they get there, but they don't really get there yeah. tournament wise. So I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm kind of staying that same game with you. Uh, give me your favorite six x play. Any price range? Just a guy that you think is six x today. Yeah, I mean, let's see. I would, I would, I mean, other than Terrence Mann, I don't want to go back to the wall. I need to give a, a new useful play. So 6X, I will go with, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I think, I think this is a really good game for Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I love this spot for him. Um, I mean, Brooke Lopez. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I mean, and it, even if they take Brook Lopez out and you're getting some Giannis against Bam, Bam should be able to overpower. Uh, I like this spot. I mean, we just kind of said Lowry and Butler, so going Bam is um, yeah. is a lot of fun. I think, I mean, for me, I think Giannis is easy. I think we're going to see a huge bounce back game for Steph as far as shooting yeah. the ball. So I'm going to go, he's going to go over 60 fantasy points in this one. Uh, let's get weird GPP play of the day. We do this night before. I always try to like recommend somebody that you think is going to be for a three game slate, maybe under like yeah. 15%. Yeah. So 15%, my weird GPP play. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think who will actually be 15%. It's so it's hard like, on these smaller slates. So, we get like the eight game slates. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. I'm going to go with, Man, I'm going to go with Damian Lee. I don't think he'll be 15%. I don't think he'll be chalk. So that's, yeah, that's I think, weird. I think he might, I mean, he might be in that range. Damian Lee would be my, my primary option. If I have to go like for sure below 15, I'd go Cam Reddish. Yeah. I like both of those. Um, my, my initial thought um, is not going to be low owned after we got done talking about the slate. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to switch it up a little bit here. Um, I had someone and then I just Moses? Past. no 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 um oh we just talked about him why can't I think of his name <laughs> Tyler Hero oh, oh. It, it was driving yeah. me crazy Tyler Hero um yeah. I think he'll be under 15% I don't think he'll be very popular in this game and I'm just kind of hoping on betting on one of those games where he just shoots the ball super well um so and, and like the first guy like my initial thoughts um was to say like canard but i think going through the slate i think he's going to be yeah. someone that gains ownership throughout the day i think so i think the clippers is going to be the place that people look to ownership it'll be interesting to see me to see like canard versus like damian lee because damian lee has a box score game that actually is there that delivered value well canard yeah. hasn't done it and so that one's a really interesting one to me. Um, and another name that I'll throw out in that range that might get lost just because those guys do get some value is, is Jalen Brunson. He's, he's only 3,500 on DraftKings, and he's usually been kind of the primary second unit guy for, for Dallas. Um, of all those guys, if you're just looking at points per game from last year, he's actually the highest. Um, but I'm interested to see like how he grades out compared to those guys because I, I think there will be less talk of him because it's so much more fun to talk about Luka. All right, last question before I let you go. Um, chalky play and, you know, that you're okay with being overweight on in tournaments on this slate. Chalky play that I'm okay being overweight on in tournaments. So I think for me, man, I think that's going to be Giannis, honestly. Yep. This price tag is just bad. Um, and I think he's got, like Luca has the 80 point upside. Steph can occasionally get up there. PG, I don't think has that. Um, Trey rarely has that. Um, and I don't think it's an upside spot for Luca against Atlanta. I think they're a pretty good defense. So I think even though Miami is a very good defense, I just think Giannis, the role that he has is so monstrous. It's just, it's huge. Um, almost a 40% usage rate in, in the first game. So I, I mean, I'm going back to the well and someone that I already said, but I'm okay with being overweight on B elites in this game. I really think this game goes small. Um, I think yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly okay 
I don't even think it's chasing because I think this is the same type of game where the Warriors play fast and this game goes smaller, especially with some of the injuries to the Clippers. So uh, I'm going to say Bialica for me. Drew, I mean, it's been too long. We're going <laughs> to we're going to we're going to have to do this like once a year um, right around yeah, this time again. Sure. So, again, make sure you guys check out uh, what Drew is doing. Welly Maker 5.0. I'm going to post the link. Uh, any final thoughts before I let you go? No, man. I just want to say like uh I'm so grateful for what Roto Grinders in general has done for this industry and so many great people that I've met over the years through the Roto Grinders community. So um, I used to be a much bigger part of the Roto Grinders community, um, but you know, our paths have, have differentiated over, over the, the many years, but I still have great respect and appreciation for all the stuff that you guys have done over there. So many OGs. Um, and so I wish you guys the best of luck in, in the basketball season, the rest of the football season. And so good to catch up, my man. Yes. Um, I mean, respect is what it's always about. And, you know, you definitely earned it. And a lot of people in this industry have earned it. And, you know, it's it's always fun to kind of collab on stuff. Um, appreciate coming on, talking some basketball. But again, I mean, I love what you're doing with the Welly Maker. Make sure you guys are checking that out. That's going to wrap it up here for Thursday. We will have the football morning grind up today as well. Grant, will, Grant and I will have that up Thursday afternoon. We'll be back talking basketball tomorrow. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you then.